Father, you've been so good and kind to us. And Father, you've not just told us how good you are, you've showed us how good you are. You've left us such a rich example of how to be good to your people, Father. How to be good to each other. And Father, we choose to follow your example in the earth. We choose to be like you, Father. Without fear, no concern, Father. Father, we will be good and show mercy and kindness, Father, to each other and to the world. Father, we will be like the Most High God. We thank you, Father, that you live big on the inside of us. Thank you, Father. And just as your word declared, Father, we can live free without ever falling again, Father, because you will keep us from falling all the days of our life. If we will yield to your word and yield to your spirit, Father, we can live a life free from sin and all the consequences that come from that, Father. We can live a life pleasing to the Most High God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for these things. We give you praise and honor for them, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? All the time. He's good all the time. Amen. And um, <clears throat> let's open up our Bibles to the book of uh, Mark chapter 5. We'll get started there today. We have been talking about the uh, compassion of the Lord. And, um, uh, and as, as we were, as we were um, singing, the Lord just kind of reminded me of... Uh, uh, you know, in the examples that we're looking at, we're seeing the examples of the Lord and his compassion that he showed other people. But also he reminded me, you know, what is the church called? What's another name for the, for the church of Lord Jesus on the, on the earth today? We're called the body of Christ, amen? Uh, and why are we called the body of Christ? You ever thought about that? Why, is it, why did Lord, the Lord call us that, but why did he call us the body of Christ? Uh, he's the head and we're the body, Amen. Uh, and uh, you ever sat on a couch, you know, watching a TV show, and all of a sudden you go, you know, I want a donut. More than anything else in the world, I want a donut. Well, what do you do if that's the case, right? You know, in the kitchen, there's a, there's a box of donuts from the, uh, of course, Master's Donuts, right? And anybody been to Master's Donuts, right? If you've never been to Master's Donuts, you've missed half your life. It's pretty good donuts, right? Uh, except for the box. I don't like their box, because the box says you deserve a donut, right? And I don't like thinking, I don't like thinking, I don't like thinking I deserve anything, I'm thankful for the things I've received from the Lord, but I don't deserve them, amen? I've not earned them. Uh, and so if they could just get a new box, I, I'd really uh, be their best friend. But, um, uh, and so, but, if, but if your head decides that it wants a donut, uh, does your head just pop off its body and just go, do, go, go to the kitchen and get it, right? I was thinking about that, you know, as, as uh, I'm, I'm the youngest of 11, and by law, you're required as a young brother to pop the heads off your sister's dolls, right? And you pop them off, right? And, and you look at them, right? It's like, wow, that's really cool. And, you, you know, and hopefully you can get it back off. You pop the legs off the Barbies, you know, and you figure out how to you know, get them back. And anybody ever done You all act like you don't know what I'm talking about. None of you were, were, were little brothers, right? I mean, surely you know how to terrorize your sisters, right? I mean, that's your job. Uh, and so, you know, that was, and then, of course, you'd run because uh, then they were, and it, as the youngest, you know, they thought they could pick on you. But anyway, so uh, uh, your head doesn't pop off your body and go in the kitchen and get a donut. And what's it do? Your body gets up 
and executes the will of, of what your head wants to do. Amen? And even if your head is wrong, like, I mean, you've already had 12 donuts that day, you know, uh, your head says it wants one more, maybe your body should say no, right? But most of the time it doesn't say no. You go ahead and do it anyway. But, uh, but the body is here to carry out the will of what the head desires. Well, that, that's our job. We are the body of Christ. We are here to execute the will of the Lord Jesus. And if he showed us by example to have compassion and to be moved with compassion, has he stopped desiring to be moved with compassion? In heaven, when he sees us on the earth, as he said, yeah, I mean, they're, they're having a hard time down there. Somebody should do something. Did he ever think about it? No, he's like, well, let's, let, I'm going to do something about it. Amen. And, and if he says, I'm going to do something, well, then, then how will that actually transpire? If he said, I want to show compassion to my people and to the world in heaven, that's, that's what the head's desire is, to show compassion to his people and the people of the world, then how does that actually transpire? then we will be the carriers of that will. I mean, we are the ones who execute the will of the, of the Lord Jesus as the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. He's the head of the church. So whenever the head desires something, then we as the body should, should find that from his word and by his spirit uh, and then execute that, that desire. So as we're studying this topic about being moved with compassion, then we should realize well, then we are the ones who are going to be the ones who are moving, right? He desires to be moved with compassion, but then who's going to actually move? Well, that would be us, amen? Uh, and, and so the good thing about that is, uh, we, we, I think we read last week there, Romans chapter 5, about how the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts right now. As a child of God, the agape love of God resides in your heart. Now, you may have never yielded to it. You may yield to it every day, right? Some Christians are like, what? They act like that's a, they never knew that was a thing, amen? Uh, well, that's a thing. Uh, the love of God, the agape love of God is in you right now. That means you have the same capacity, right? Not less capacity, the same capacity to be moved with, with compassion that Jesus did because it's his love that lives in you, right? It's not your love, it's his love in you. So when he needs his church to be moved with compassion, are you inadequate? No, you're fully capable because his spirit lives on the inside of you. His agape love lives on the inside of you. You are not lesser able to complete his desire to be moved with compassion than he did when he was on the earth. You are just as capable because he put himself in you. Amen. He, he's the one who provided you the ability to do that. So you know, we shouldn't sell ourselves short and thinking, well, I'm not able. You are well able. You are fully able. You're fully cap capable today of executing and being moved with compassion, the same level that Jesus did when he was on the earth. Amen. Is his spirit that lives on the inside of you a, 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 a second-tier Holy Spirit than what he had? Same Holy Spirit, amen? The agape love in you, is that a, 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 a second-rate love in you than that was in him when he was on the earth? Same love that's in you, amen, as a Christian. And, and, you know, for the most part, the church lives way below where we could live. Uh, and I'm not talking about that financially. I'm talking about just in the area of power, in the area of ministering to those around us, being a blessing to those around us, we think, well, I'm not able. You are well able, amen? And don't, allow, don't let the devil tell you that you're not able. You are well able right now, today, amen? If, are, are you on your way to heaven? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus? Then today you are well able, fully able, fully capable of, of being moved with compassion at the same level that the Lord Jesus uh, was because he set it up that way. Who set, up that, who set it up that he's the head and we are the body? Well, he did, right? Do you think he made a mistake in that? 
I mean, sometimes I wonder about it, you know, but, you know, he didn't make a mistake. Uh, he did that for a reason, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so if you see somebody's head pop off and go get a donut, you'll know something odd's going on, right? Uh, but uh, otherwise, know that whatever the head wants to do, the body is there to execute that desire, uh, amen? Uh, and so, uh, we, we can do it, amen? Uh, and so, here then, uh, we had talked about several different things about compassion, but I wanted to look at compassion in the area of just healing, amen, and, 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 uh, and deliverance as well. And so we're not going to go through the whole story here of Mark chapter 5 because it's, it's a long story. Uh, but uh, we, know, we know the story. If you've ever read uh, this story before, this is the story of the Gadarene demoniac, right? The man who, who had uh, a legion of devils. He was possessed with a legion of devils, right? Uh, and, and so that's a lot. And we don't know exactly how many, but we know that there was 2,000 uh, swine that was there, and they all ran into the, into the uh, sea there to drown themselves. So I suspect there was at least 2,000 devils that, was, uh, that had bound this man. Uh, and so, uh, and so the story is, in verse 1 it says, And they came unto the other side of the sea. So they had gone to the sea. Of course, remember the, earlier when they were going to, across the sea, Jesus had said back up in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4, And the same day when evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Now, why was he doing that? Why, where were they going? Well, they didn't know. You know, the disciples, you know, the disciples were just, uh, it's amazing we survived this long. Amen. Of course, if you look at the whole history of humanity, it's amazing the human, human race has survived as long as we have. Uh, but uh, uh, they were going to the other side. But Jesus had a plan. He was moved with compassion to go to the other side of the sea to brave the storm, brave, brave all this uh, deal with the great storm that it mentions here at the end of chapter 4 to go and assist somebody. Amen. He and all of the disciples, he and 12 men, went across the sea to help one guy. And so he, he did that because he would move with compassion to do this. Uh, and so don't ever, don't ever feel like the Lord, oh Lord, I just only helped one person. Well, that, you're, they're not worthy of your assistance? They're not worthy of you doing that? Right? Well, Lord, I want to help millions. Well, that's great. But, but are you not unwilling to help the one? You know, the, uh, when back when Brother Hagen was traveling, Kenneth Hagen was traveling as a minister, he'd have people come to him, Brother Hagen, let me know when, when a big church comes up because I want to pastor a big church. You know, I don't want to pastor a small church. I want to pastor a big church. And he's like, look, if you're not willing to pastor a small church, you know, and be faithful there, how is the Lord going to give you a big church? And so, of course, he never would do anything about that. You know, sometimes we want to uh, help the millions uh, and Jesus, did Jesus help the, the, the multitudes, the great multitudes? Many times he did, right? But here he, he was moved with compassion to brave the, the storms of the sea and carry all of, his, all of his crew with him, all 12 of his crew with him to help one guy. Uh, and that shows the compassion of the Lord, that he's willing to do that. Amen? Uh, and really, uh, Jesus said he can't of his own self do nothing, that he was only here to do the will of the Father. So it's the will of the Father that, that motivated Jesus, you go help this one guy. You go help this one person. Do all this work, brave all, the, all this uh, crossing of, of the sea, and you go help one guy. And it says, and they came over to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gadarenes. And when they had come out of the ship, immediately met him out of the tombs, a man, a single man, uh, with an unclean spirit. And notice it says he has an unclean spirit. And so we're not going to go into all the details, but uh, uh, when, he, when you get into uh, dealing with people that are possessed with the devil, what you'll find is that there's always a single person or a single entity that's possessing that person, 
but they also bring along with them all their buddies. Uh, and, but one guy's in charge. One, one uh, spirit is in charge. And so he had an unclean spirit. And it says he dwelt among the tombs. No man can bind him, no, not with chains. Uh, and so this man was fully possessed with the devil. Uh, and people that are fully possessed with the devil oftentimes can do things that are unusual in the, in the natural realm. Have they, un, they have unusual strength. They have unusual knowledge. Uh, and, and so uh, in that case, it says they, they often bound him with fetters and chains, and the chains have been plucked asunder by him. Fetters broken into pieces, neither can any man tame him. And all, all, always, <clears throat> night and day, he was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 you know even, even in our society, you'll find, uh, especially teenagers, Will, will cut themselves. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of, lot of motivations behind that, a lot of uh, uh, mental issues they're dealing with. But the motivation ultimately comes from the realm of the spirit, from the demonic realm of the spirit. And that doesn't mean they're possessed with the devil, but they're being motivated by the devils about how unworthy they are, right? And there's a lot of other things go, that goes on in that. But you oftentimes see that, and you, you know that they're dealing with a, a demonic attack. Amen. Doesn't mean they're possessed with the devil. This man was, uh, but but uh, there's Christian uh, Christian teenagers that do this as well. Uh, but you know that uh, when they're doing things like that, that uh, they're being motivated by uh, lies from the devil. Uh, uh, and you know, in those areas, these things are, are relatively easy to overcome. Uh, if, you, if as a child of God, if you remember how much God loves you, that you're His child then you would never let the devil tell you that you're unworthy. You never let the devil tell you that you're no count, of no value. People will tell you that. People try to pressure you into believing that you're no value, no count. Uh, and, you know, I've had to deal with that even as a grown man, you know, attending church. People tell you, you know, uh, that you're a terrible person, no count. God couldn't love someone like you. And the Lord reveals you, but I love you. You know, once you get the revelation that God loves you, man, it's hard to ever think bad about yourself. The, the world will tell you to think bad about yourself. Your own mind will tell you to think bad about yourself. But the Lord Jesus says, you're, you're precious to me. I came all the way to the earth and died just for you. Nobody else, just for you. Uh, and if, if you will get that settled in your heart, you'll never think bad about yourself. I never think, you know, I'm unworthy and no count, of no, no, no value. I think God loves me. A king died for me. Blood was shed for me. I must be somebody special. Amen? <clears throat> and you are somebody special. Uh, and so uh, if you could live in the word of God and live in the knowledge of what God really thinks about you, you would never have a bad day thinking about yourself ever again. You'd think, because people will tell you you're no count and unworthy and unlovable. But Jesus like, yeah, but I, I shed blood for you. Nobody on the earth, anybody else ever shed blood for you? You know, if you want me to shed blood for you, it's like, no. You know, take a bullet for me. No, I'm ducking, right? I'm not, I'm not taking a, bu- a bullet for you. Uh, and so... But, uh, uh, but the Lord loves you, amen? Uh, but see, th- th- this is going on today, right? A lot of uh, teenagers deal with, with such thoughts. It's unfortunate uh, if they would just hear the word of God and hear the spirit of God tell you, I love you deeply, desire you to be with me for all eternity, amen? Well, then who, who, what, what else matters, right? Uh, and so he said, uh, but he says uh, in verse 6, he said, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, bowed down to him. Now, uh, here's, a, here's a little uh, side note about uh, demonic influence in people's life. 
People think that the devils, you know, are super strong and nearly as strong as Jesus, you know, and sometimes even stronger than Jesus. And, uh, but what they don't even preach, first of all, that's not true. Secondly is every human being is made in the image and likeness of God. When you came into the world, the Bible says in John 1, 9, that God lit every man. He lights every man that comes into the world. What's that mean? He turns that light on of that person. They become a, a living spirit uh, because of the work of the Lord Jesus. He does that. Uh, and so, uh, and part of the creation of humanity is he gave you a free will. You have a free will that is sovereign. It means nobody can make you do anything. Now, you may yield to other people, but they don't make you do it, right? And people say, well, they may be mad. Nobody actually makes you mad, right? Well, they made me do it. They didn't actually make you do it. You yield to the pressure of them trying to get you to do it, but nobody makes you do it, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> in that, uh, you have a free will. And, and so this man was possessed with thousands of devils, and yet he still had the free will enough to go and show Jesus that he wanted to worship him. And that's all Jesus needed to see is a spark of free will that this man wanted to be free. So it didn't matter how many devils had, had taken control of his life. Jesus saw the spark of desire to be free from the devil. And even though the man didn't have the capacity to get out and be free of his own ability, he could find somebody that could help him. Sometimes you as a child of God are the only help that somebody can, can obtain to get free because they have a desire to be free, but they have no idea how to get free. And you may be the one who carries that power to them to show them here's how to get free and, here's, and, and I'm going to help you to get free. Uh, and so uh, oftentimes people, uh, because of the lies that the devil has told them, they don't know how to do it, but they know they want to, to be free. Uh, and so if they'll find a Christian who walks in faith, that Christian, oh yeah, you want to be free right now? Let's do it right now. Not tomorrow, not let's work on it. Let's do it right now. You want to? Uh, and so th that's what Jesus uh, is seeing here. And so he had to wait to, to see the man's desire. Because if someone doesn't desire to be free from the devil, you know, a lot of people who love the devil, they pet the devil. Oh, he's my friend. You know, he's not your friend. He's lying to you. But, you know, they, 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 they like being possessed with the devil. They like the, well, then you got to leave those people alone. Well, don't you, shouldn't you cast it out of them? No, because Matthew 12 says that they'll be worse off if you do that, right? We don't have time to go. There's not a class on, on casting out devils. Uh, but some people don't want to be free from, from their sin. And until they get to that point, I would encourage you to leave them alone. Pray for them, but otherwise leave them alone. Amen. You pray for them for them to see that. Uh, but see, Jesus saw a spark of desire in this man to be free. He came and worshipped. Now, the devils, did the devils, were, were, was it the devils worshipping? No, devils aren't worshipping Jesus. The, a man worshipped Jesus, right? The man that was possessed. And so he said, uh, he saw him come and worship him. And then he said, uh, then he said, cried with a loud voice, said, what, I, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. So now this is the devil talking through this man. <clears throat> I, I adjure thee uh, that thou torment me not. And when you're fully possessed, that devil can, can speak through you. Amen? And we don't see that much here in America, right? It does occur, but we don't see that much in America because we're too polite here. But, you know, you go overseas, you'll see this on a pretty regular basis. Amen? Uh, I've seen it in Mexico, seen it in Africa, seen it lots of places there where people just fully possessed. They allow themselves. Now, the devil can't make them be fully possessed. You have to choose to yield to that. Amen? Just like the devil can't actually possess you he, against your free will. Nobody is ever possessed against their free will. Uh, and so the devil lies to them, well, you can be all this and all that if, if you 
allow me to take possession of your entire life there. <clears throat> and of course, uh, once they get there, they realize that it was a lie. It's too, a little too late sometimes for them, but they can find someone in the church to, to help them get out of it. Amen. And so uh, Jesus, uh, it says in verse 8, For he had said unto them, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. <clears throat> and so Moses, he said, For he, he had said, or he said unto him, uh, Come out of him, thou unclean spirit. So he said, Jesus commanded the spirit to come out of him, and, he, and the spirit didn't come out of him. He said, Were well, you tormenting me? Uh, and so Jesus said, What is thy name? Uh, and uh, again, you know, we're not trying to make this a whole class on, on, uh, on casting out devils. Sometimes it's rare. That, in fact, this is the only time of all the devils Jesus ever cast out that he asked the devil a question. Most of the time he told him, keep quiet. Why? Because if the devils are talking, what are they doing? Well, they're lying, right? Anytime a devil's opening his mouth, he's lying. And so, uh, but, uh, it, so how do you know? Well, you, you, should be, you shouldn't be casting out devils without awareness of what the Spirit of God wants you to do anyway. Amen. And so find out what the Spirit of God wants you to do. If he, if he says you need to find out the name of this devil, then find out the name of the devil. Uh, but otherwise, don't allow the devils to speak. Now, when he, when he asked him, what is thy name? Who was he asking that question to? Chief. to, to what's that? The chief, the chief demon, right? To, to the one that had possessed the man. So he wasn't asking the man his name. He was asking the devil his name, right? And uh, <laughs> Every time I, did, I remember the story of, of I was at a youth meeting one time and they read this, you know, it wasn't a, a Pentecostal youth meeting, but they read the story to us. Pretty, pretty intense to read this for, for a non-Pentecostal youth meeting, right? And they got to this, say, what is thy name? And they said, see, see how important it is to know each other's name? It's like, but he wasn't asking the man his name. In fact, he came, met the man, cast out devils and left and he still never knew the man's name. But the whole point of the whole, the whole message was we need to learn each other's name because that's what's important. Yeah. How, how, how much better would this man feel if he knew this, you know, my name is Bob, right? Uh, and then he left possessed, still possessed with the devils. Yeah, I'm possessed with devils, but Jesus knows my name. <laughs> and would that make him feel any better? Would that make you feel any better? I came and, you know, I, I, I'm near death, and, and, but they knew my name. I'm still dying. When they left, I'm still just as bad off as I was when I got there, but, you know, they know my name. This man could care less if Jesus knew his name, uh, if he got the help that he needed. Amen? I, I know sometimes we take scriptures and we, we preach an evangelistic message, and that's fine, uh, but it, 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 what was the most important thing for this man? That Jesus knew his name? No. no. Most important for this man to get free from being possessed with devils. Amen? And so, yeah, I, I mean, I try to know people's names, uh, and, and, you know, I'm not going to say I'm bad at it because I, uh, I've gotten better over it over the years. But, but I think what most important for you is to hear the word of God. Amen. To hear that you can be free to hear that God loves you. Amen. <clears throat> and so uh, what is thy name? He says legion. You know, and then, of course, he, went, he, he finally uh, cast out the devils. Right. All, all the thousands of the devils. Right. They, they went. The, the swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea. Uh, and then, of course, everybody, everybody else said, you'd think all the people would be full of joy when that happened. No, they were terrified because uh, the, the, they knew the man. They knew he was kind of, you know, well, we know he's, he's crazy and he's, he's the man who cuts himself and you can't bind him or anything. But now he's free. So that makes us really nervous because of how that happened. Uh, and, of course, they didn't understand authority and, and the power of God or anything like that. 
Uh, and so they, they began to pray Jesus to depart out of the coast down in verse 17. And so he did. He, Jesus left. Now, they all could have said, can we get, get on that, right? Can we get some of that help? Can we get some assistance to be delivered from the work of the enemy in our lives? No, they asked him to leave. Uh, and so, uh, so he did. Jesus said he got back in the ship. And that uh, as he did, it, the man had been possessed with the devil, prayed that he might uh, be with him. And verse 19 says, Howbeit Jesus suffered or did not allow him, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord had done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. So the compassion of the Lord motivated Jesus, moved Jesus to go find this one man and go all across the sea with all of his buddies, all of his uh, 12 disciples, and go and, and deliver this one man and then leave. Uh, and, and, of course, later on, we'll, we'll, uh, we're not going to go there, but later on what you find out is the man did just what Jesus did, told him to do. And later on, we found out there was a great revival in this area. Jesus came back and, and delivered and healed uh, multitudes of people after this. But right now, he could only help one guy. And so, you know, don't ever sell yourself short that, well, I only help one guy. Well, that man, one guy could be uh, the path to helping hundreds or thousands of people. Yes. Amen. Don't ever say, well, I, it's, I'm only helping one guy. It, that, that's not, uh, if the Lord t- is motivating you and you're being moved with compassion to help the one guy, then yield to that movement. Yield to that desire to go help that one guy, knowing that the Lord's it, it's sowing and reaping. Amen? There may be a great, a great harvest that comes about uh, because you, you've been willing to yield to that one man. Amen? Uh, and so, so Jesus would move. Right? He moved from where he was before to cross the sea and go help this one fellow uh, so that he could be free. Uh, and, of course, it, 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 this was a big deal, right, uh, that the Lord did, uh, did this for this one person. But you can do the same thing. Amen? <clears throat> and so, really, uh, this man, the, the Spirit of God knew that the will of this man was to be free. You know, some people, they don't want to be free. And so the Spirit of God may never have you help that person until they get, their, until they get the desire lined back up to be free. Uh, and you will, Lord, why can't I help the person? Well, uh, you know, we're not, are we anybody's judge? You know, don't judge people, right? People say, well, homeless people are homeless because they want to be homeless. I'm not, I'm not going to judge people. I don't know. Maybe they do. Some of them do, but some of them don't. Uh, well, well, who? I mean, so I just leave it alone. Well, why are they homeless? I don't know. Uh, well, does the Lord want you to help them? I don't know. You know, did, did the Lord tell you to go help them? If, if he doesn't tell you to go help them, then you just leave it alone. Then maybe they're not re- quite ready to receive that help. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, the Lord does the Lord know everything? See, I, 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 get under, I never get under pressure about helping people or not helping people. You walk by people and, uh, well, you know, we, we should help everybody. Well, do, you, do they want help? Are they in a place where, they, where they're ready to receive help? You know, I know we've all helped people before and, and, and it didn't turn out as good as you hoped. And you look back, well, Lord, did you ever tell me to do that? Or did I just do that because I wanted to do that? So we're moved with compassion, but who's, the, who's doing the moving? Well, the Spirit of God is doing the moving, amen? We yield to that, uh, and so the Spirit of God knows everything. The Spirit of God knew this one man across the sea wanted help. You go over there and help that one man. Okay, I'll go do that. Well, was there anybody else on that side of the sea that needed help? Well, apparently there was multitudes of them, and later on they got help, but right now none of them wanted help. And so this one man was then took what Jesus did for him and, and, and created a great revival because Jesus was willing to be moved with compassion. Amen? Uh, let's turn over to, Mark, uh, to Luke chapter 7 here. 
Uh, we may or may get, uh, get through with this. Um, we're not under any pressure to, to, uh, to get moved with that, right? Uh, to get finished with this. Here in Luke chapter 7, uh, let, let's look at this. I've always thought this was an interesting story because uh, the only time it's, it's recorded is by Luke. So the other uh, three Gospels, none of them mention this particular story. Uh, but uh, it says in verse 11, in Luke chapter 7, it says, It came to pass the day after that he went into a city called uh, Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people, many people. Now when he'd come nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. widow. And much, of the, uh, much people of the city was with her. Uh, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. So the story is, of course, we know this, uh, that uh, uh, this young man had died. He, he uh, obviously was his mother's son, uh, but she was a widow. So her husband had already died. She had no other children. This is her only child here. And in, in this society, it was very common for, uh, uh, if your mother's a widow, well, well, you care for her the rest of her life. You know, you don't like, well, mom, you don't get on government subsidies. You know, there's no government subsidies, no food stamps, no government programs. The families took care of each other, right? And so uh, this, this son would have been caring for his mother. Uh, and, and so now, now he's dead. She's a widow. So she's kind of stuck, right? Now, later on, when the church was established, uh, the church did take care of uh, widows uh, such as this. Uh, but here, Jesus knew what the situation was going, that was going to happen, Right? Uh, now, didn't know, we don't know any other details if she had any other extended family. Uh, but it says that when he saw her, he had compassion on her. Uh, and again, you know, that, that, uh, that's that same compassion. He was moved with compassion, right? In other places, it was uh, that he was moved with compassion. And it said that he came and touched the bier, which is just the, the, uh, it basically the, the coffin that the, the son was in. Uh, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a, a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen among us, and that God hath visited his people. Now, one of the things about all of these things where, where it talks about being moved with compassion, uh, and we're going to look at uh, a little bit, uh, change gears a little bit in this area of uh, compassion, but and every time uh, that we've read so far where it says he was moved with compassion, he was moved with compassion without anybody requesting him to be moved with compassion. And that's one of, so this is, the, all of these are sovereign acts of God. Nobody was praying to, the, the gathering demonic wasn't praying to Jesus, you know, I mean, he came and worshipped him, but he didn't come to Jesus and ask to be delivered. He did come worship him, but he didn't ask for anything. Nobody else asked Jesus uh, for anything. This woman that was a widow, she didn't ask Jesus to do something about her son. It, it was a complete sovereign act of God. Uh, and, and we have to understand that oftentimes God does move in a sovereign way. And, it's, and, uh, and if the Lord has you to be moved with compassion, that's a sovereign act. In other words, it, it wasn't a request by somebody else, hey, please come and help me. Amen. And that's fine. If somebody asks you to help them, that's fine. But in all of these cases that we looked at up even to today, uh, up here to Luke chapter 7, every time that Jesus was moved with compassion, he saw the situation and the love of God in him moved him to action. Uh, and so that should be a, a normal part of a, of a Christian's life, that when you see the situation, right, and oftentimes it's when you see it, right, when you physically see the situation, the compassion will rise up in you and you're compelled to do something to assist. Amen? And that's a good way to learn how to be led by the Spirit of God. Uh, the, the thing that we get 
we, we sometimes get in a rut as a church is we get uh, in a religious rut. Well, I've got to help everybody. No, you don't have to help everybody. You help people when the compassion of the Lord rises up in you because they're at a place to receive the assistance. Amen? Well, what if it's not there? Well, it's, is the Lord against that person? He's not against them. But he's got to, he knows that they may not be ready for help for two weeks on, on Thursday, six years from tomorrow, you know, 20 years from, the, from, from the, the month after next. He knows the beginning from the end. So trust him. Amen. I trust him. If there's no compassion to help, it's not that you're uncaring. It's not that you're being, uh, that, that you don't care. It, it's, uh, I operate in the timing of God. Amen. Because there may be a great revival fixing to happen that if you'll, if you'll light the match, it will happen. But it may not, he may not want you to light that match three, three months from tomorrow. Amen? So don't get ahead of the Lord. Don't, don't get so under pressure from a religious standpoint. Well, I've just got to help everybody. No, you don't have to help everybody. Amen? You help the people that the compassion of the Lord moves you and compels you to help. Amen? And so how many widows, how many funerals were going on uh, in this location uh, uh, for uh, when Jesus was there? I mean, there's probably funerals going on all the time. How, how many funerals did Jesus interrupt in, in all of the Gospels? This is the only one he ever interrupted, right? I mean, you know, he, he did raise Lazarus from the dead, but Lazarus was already buried. The funeral was already done. Amen. And in this case, they were on the way to go bury the, the son. The only funeral Jesus ever interrupted is right here. Well, so there were no other funerals in the three years that Jesus was on the earth? No, lots of funerals. Only one that he was moved with compassion to do something about. Well, why is that? It doesn't matter. I don't know. You know we don't know. Uh, the Lord knows everything. Amen. Uh, and so it doesn't, is it, does it mean the Lord doesn't care? You know, he, he, he desires everybody to live a full and a blessed life. Amen. But everybody doesn't desire to do that way, to live that way. Amen. And so... Uh, I just leave it on the Lord. Lord, if you want me to help, that's great. If you don't want me to help, I, I leave it alone. Amen. There's a lot, a lot of people walk in that door right there uh, needing assistance. And many times the Lord says, you help them. But there's been many times the Lord says, don't help them. So you know what I do? I, I, sorry, I can't help you. Well, you know, you're, you're a church. You're supposed to help everybody. Uh, I'm a church. I'm supposed to do what the Lord tells me to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. Amen. I'm not, I'm not compelled and not required by, by the word to help everybody who walks in that door. Now, if you're part of this church, you know, you know, I feel compelled to help everybody in, in, that's part of this church, right? Uh, and we have helped many people that, that's been part of our church. But if you walk in that door, I, all I'm doing, you know, you're talking, but I'm not really listening to the words you're saying. I'm listening to the Spirit of God. Lord, what do you want me to do? You want me to help them? I'm, no, no problem, right? We've written lots of checks for people, right? We've given lots of boxes of food away to people uh, to assist them. But if there's no unction there, I just leave it alone. Now, sometimes the Lord will tell you, sometimes he won't, of, of why, but uh, if he doesn't tell me, I just leave it alone, amen? So all of these times have been uh, a sovereign act where the Lord just, out of his kindness and grace, decided to help somebody, amen? Uh, and so there, there are times when, when, when nobody asks you, but you just go do it anyway, and that's great, amen? So, we, so what we're trying to learn is, uh, when, in all these studies, what I want to know is, how did Jesus operate? Right? When he did these things, not just about his doctrine that he taught us, but how did he operate? So he was moved with compassion. Something happened. A great miracle happened. Amen. And if we would st start moving only when the compassion of the Lord is there to compel us to move and operate and do something, we would see a lot better results. Amen. Instead of being religiously brainwashed, thinking that we're supposed to help everybody in the whole world. That, that's not really, there's, there's no commission in the, in the world. 
You know, there's, there's actually no Bible verses going to all the world and feed the hungry. Amen? There's a, there's a commission to go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel, right? But there's no, no Bible verses going to all the world and feed the hungry. Because, you know, if you fed everybody and, and 90% don't care about the gospel, don't, aren't ready to receive the gospel, have you really done anything other than fed them food? You really haven't done anything to help them long term. Amen? And so we're not uncaring about that. You know, if the Lord says go and feed them, well, we go and feed them. Every time we go and preach the gospel, we feed people, right? Uh, every time I've been overseas and, and, and doing uh, mission work, we always feed the people, uh, but, uh, but we also preach the gospel to them. Amen? <clears throat> and so, so all of those are sovereign acts. So let, let's uh, look at uh, some other situations then. In, uh, let's start in Ma- Matthew chapter 20 there. <clears throat> So in Matthew chapter 20, we see a, a shift here just from some of the examples uh, about uh, mo- being moved with compassion. Uh, this is in, in Matthew chapter 20. Let's start here in verse, uh, well, let, let's start in verse 29. It says, as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. Uh, now there's have mercy on, on us, uh, can also be translated as have compassion on us. Uh, and so uh, uh, the word mercy oftentimes is, can be translated as compassion as well. So here, these blind men are crying out to Jesus. Now, uh, how, how did they know that it was Jesus? Well, surely somebody had to tell them, right? Because they're blind, they don't know. Uh, and so he said, have, have mercy on us, O thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked him. I've always loved these stories like this right here. Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Jesus is in charge, right? So did they ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, you want us to rebuke them? They're bothering us. Did they ask the one in charge about what they should do? No, they just assumed. Uh, why? Because you know, sometimes we all think that we're important, right? And that, hey, you're bothering me. Who cares about Jesus, the Son of God, right? But you're bothering me, right? Uh, rebuke them. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so, now, the thing about people of faith, man, you can't, you can't keep people of faith down at all because they were rebuked by the disciples, right? You know, a lot of times people, they, they can't get in good with Jesus, so they're going to get in good with it, like the second tier, right? They're just the disciples. Uh, and so, uh, what do these blind men think about the disciples? You're wasting my time, right? Uh, and so, the, the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. Not because they should hold their peace. They thought they should hold their peace. The disciples thought they should hold their peace, right? Keep, or keep quiet. When it says hold their peace, keep quiet. But they, but they what? They cried the more. That's what people of faith do. Be quiet. What? <laughs> Praise God, you know. Stop worshiping God so much. Lord, I love you more, right? I want to, you know, you, uh, you're raising hands making me uncomfortable. Really? Well, I'm going to do that some more, right? Uh, you're speaking in tongues makes me uncomfortable, right? Well, we'll just pray, pray, speak in tongues some more, amen? Uh, and so, uh, if my faith makes you uncomfortable, you know, I just, there's something in me, it's, I'm probably going to do more of it, you know, I'll probably double up on it. Uh, you know, just, uh, there's something, I'm not trying to make you mad, but look, you know, uh, God is worthy of worship. If my worship makes you uncomfortable, I've got to worship him more. I, it's, something, it's something about that, right? What what they do? They cried the more. You know, I love these guys, right? This is, if I, now, I'm never going to be blind, but if I would listen, it'd be the way I'd be right here. Keep quiet. What? I can't keep quiet. What's wrong with you? 
I mean, Jesus is here, right? Now, if it's just you guys, fine, I'll keep quiet because you're not going to help me anyway. But Jesus is here. The Son of David is here. I've got, a, I've got one shot. And you think I'm going to keep quiet for you? I've got one shot to not be blind anymore, and, and, and you're not going to stop me. People of faith can't be, can't be deterred by, by the religious ideas of other people. Uh, you know, people of low faith, someone says, keep quiet. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bother you. No, people of great faith, what? I, I'm crying the more. Amen. <laughs> Have mercy on us, thou son of David. Now, what did, what did Jesus do the first time they said, uh, have mercy on us, uh, O Lord, thou son of David? No change in Jesus. What, what did Jesus do differently when the, when the multitude rebuked them? Nothing. He kept on going. But what did Jesus do when they cried the more? It says in verse 32, and Jesus stood still. God stopped. Right there, when the people of faith would not change course and direction, God stopped. Jesus stopped. And, and, and he's called them. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things we find out about, about faith is oftentimes God will try your faith. But he doesn't try your faith by putting sickness on you, by putting you in, a, in dire situations or difficult uh, positions or sickness and disease of any kind or causing harm or destruction in your life, sometimes he'll wait to see if, if you're really in faith. And so uh, what, did, what was the response of Jesus when the men first cried? Nothing. No response. No action. No movement. Uh, and then they, they were persecuted and they, they stuck to their faith. And God stopped. So I'd encourage you, you know, stick to your faith because God will stop. He will listen for faith. He's always listening for faith. Amen. And then Jesus asked, got to be the most uh, uh, captain obvious question in the entire world. Right. He stops with these blind men and said, what will you that I should do unto you? I mean, what do you think the answer to that question is? Right. They're blind. And well, Lord, can we get a cheeseburger? That's not they're not going to ask for a cheeseburger. Right. Now, maybe they're a low faith, right? Because some people, you know, they're in dire needs of, of, of this thing over here, and they have such low faith. They're, oh, I don't want to bother the Lord for that. Just, you know, Lord, just help me a little bit, right? Just help me carry these burdens, right? They don't, they don't want to act in great faith. Uh, but see, uh, again, this is, this is uh, oftentimes Jesus will ask you a question. Why? Because he wants to hear your faith. He wants to see and hear, are you actually in faith? So he asks what should be a, a, a just an amazingly obvious question, right? What do you want me to do for you? Well, Lord, you know, I'm having trouble sleeping. You're blind. Yeah, well, I don't know, but I'm having trouble sleeping, you know. And if you could just help me with that, that'd be really great. No, that's not what they asked him. That's not what they needed or desired. Amen. Uh, he, they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. <clears throat> and so what did it say? Jesus had compassion on them. Right? He was moved with compassion. But in this time, the movement of compassion came as a result of somebody's request, as a request of faith, right? Your faith can cause God to move on your behalf. Uh, and, and, and see, and, but it's, it's, just, it's not just, just, you know, barely get by faith. It's faith that cannot be stopped. Uh, the ask a question, Jesus keeps on going. That didn't stop them. You ask a question, the people say, be quiet. That didn't stop them. You ask a question, Jesus stops, and then he asks an obvious question. Like, well, well, maybe we're asking for too much. That didn't stop. No, they're like, well, we want, we want the whole deal. We want, to be, we want to have our sight restored. And says, uh, uh, he said he had compassion on them. 
Uh, and he touched their eyes, and immediately their, uh, their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Uh, and so, in this case, with the, with the compassion, the whole thing was initiated by somebody's faith, that Jesus would have compassion on them just because they asked. You know, God loves you. He desires so much for his people to ask him of things. And he said, what do you, what do you want? And people, so often they'll, they'll shortchange their faith. Well, Lord, I don't want to bother you with too much, you know. And is asking for their sight to be restored a big thing? I think it's a big thing. I mean, you know, in our minds, it's a big thing, right? Uh, not, it's not a big thing for faith. And people all the time, uh, they'll tell you, don't ask for big things. What are they doing? They're the multitude telling you to be quiet in your faith, telling your faith to be quiet. Uh, don't listen to the multitude. Watch Jesus. That's what I would do. I'd watch Jesus. Uh, uh, Jesus, uh, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And he keeps on moving. Well, hey, I, I'm going to say it again. Jesus, maybe you didn't hear me. I'm asking you to have mercy on us. And he will stop. God will stop. When faith is expressed, he will stop. And then listen to your request. Because just have mercy on us, that's, a, that's kind of a generic, not very specific request, right? Like, Lord, bless them. Okay, well, well, how would you like that to look like, right? In what way? In what capacity? Well, they're as healthy as they need to be. Well, okay, I can't bless them that way. They have all the money they need. Okay, well, uh, well, well when you say bless them, yeah, and the Lord rebuked me when I pray for people sometimes. Lord, bless them. Like, how would you like me to do that? Specifically, what do you want me to do on their behalf? Uh, and so, uh, so I have to back up my prayer and say, well, Lord, here's, how, here's specifically how I want you to bless them. And so when they said, Lord, have mercy on me, well, that, well what does that mean? So, so Jesus oftentimes will drive you towards faith. I need to know exactly what you want. I need specifics, exactly what you want. No more, no less, I will do what you ask me to do. Amen? If they said, Lord, I've got a toe ache, he would have healed the toe ache and left them blind. If, that had, if they had only toe ache faith, that's what they would have got. Amen? And so, uh, but their faith asked for all, the whole deal. They asked for the whole deal. Amen? Did Jesus rebuke them? Did he say, they'll ask me for too much? Did he ever say that to anybody? The only time he ever said that is when, when John and, and James asked for seats beside him, right? And he said, that's not even mine to give anyway. Grow up, you big bunch of babies, right? Uh, but nobody ever came to Jesus. He said, thou askest for a hard thing, right? Uh, and so, no, why? Because compassion rose up in Jesus. When you see, see, when you see people's faith, uh, compassion will rise up. Well, Lord, that's their faith. We've got to help them. The Spirit of God in Jesus, you've got to help. You've got to assist them and, and restore their sight. Amen? Be the, like the blind men, not in living in your blindness, but, but be people who can't be, uh, can't be deterred in their faith. If you want, if you want whatever you want, then, then go to the Lord specifically and say, Lord, this is exactly what I want. Uh, and, and when people tell you, be quiet, say the more. Amen? Speak up louder. Don't let other people tell you you can't have big faith. Have as big a faith as, as in you. That if it's there, then express that faith. And God will have compassion on you. He will stop uh, for faith. Amen? Amen? How many people did Jesus walk by on this, on this trip? But he didn't stop for anybody else. When faith is expressed, Jesus stopped. Amen? Uh, and then the compassion of the Lord supplied their need. Well, you know, that, that's from the Lord's standpoint now, right? And we're thankful for that. Well, that compassion is in you. Amen? You know, a lot of times people say, blah, 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 blah. 
And as a, as a child of God, you just walking right out by them. But every now and then, someone would say, can, can you help me? And the compassion of the Lord will rise up in you to, to help uh, provide whatever they have need of in their life. It's not you doing it. You don't have any ability in yourself. But even Jesus said multiple times, I can't of my own self do nothing. Who, who actually gave him the power to heal these blind men? The Spirit of God did, right? The Holy Spirit did. That, well, don't you have the Holy Spirit in you? So when, when people ask you, when, when you observe faith, amen, then yield to, that, yield to that compassion in you because that faith has to be answered, right? Uh, and now Jesus had to help them. He had to train them in faith, and he does that, he does that many times, right? We see if you look, go through all this, I'm always looking to see how Jesus operates. So many times Jesus starts asking people questions, right? You remember the man at the pool of Bethesda? He'd been there a long time, right? And Jesus came to him in John chapter 5 and said, uh, will you be healed? What was the man's response? I have no man to put me in. Well, why did Jesus ask him that question? Because he's trying to see if he has faith. And what was the man's response? I don't have any faith. And none of, none of this is my problem. And so in that case, that was a sovereign move of God. There's no faith on the man's part because he, he did heal him, but the, there's no faith on the man's part. When he asked these blind men, what do you want? We want to, we want to see. All right, and that's, that's what you'll get. Uh, uh, and so uh, the, Jesus is always trying to drive everybody towards faith. Always try, if, you, if you read the stories of Jesus and how he's interacting with people, and you understand, if you understand that Jesus is trying to get it, because if they can get, if get them to faith, then they can get their needs met. Uh, and then sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. And sometimes they don't get it, and he still has mercy on them, right? Sovereign act of God, and that's great. But if it's faith, see, he has to answer their faith. That's their faith, right? God said, if you believe, then you'll you receive, amen? So he's required by his own word to answer your faith. So a lot of times he'll find out, where, where's your faith at? Let me see your faith, and then, then, then we'll know what to do at that point, right? Once we know your faith's at, then we know, okay, is, then we move in by mercy and do as a sovereign act of God, or the Lord's able to respond to your faith. And so, but, but we're thankful that he's merciful, amen? But I like, the, I like the example of the blind men. Amen. I'm going to be like them. Yeah, you don't like my faith? That is not my problem. Amen. You don't like me worshiping the Lord? I'm, I'm sorry for you. Right? You, don't, you, you feel bad that I'm a person of faith? Man, I wish you could be like me. Right? I mean, I mean churches like us get a lot of flack sometimes. Oh, you're one of faith churches. I'm thinking, yeah, thank you. I consider that a compliment. Right? Oh, you believe in God. You believe for prosperity. Yeah, you don't. I mean... You get a nickel short in your paycheck, where are you going to go? You're going to go to HR immediately. You give me my nickel back, right? But, but, but you know, I, I believe God for everything, whatever it is, amen? Soundness of mind, fullness of joy, fullness of peace. I, I'm a whole package, amen? And if I'm lacking anywhere, Lord, I, 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 I want that area fixed up in my life, amen? Now, well, you can't ask God for too much. Is he limited? Is he, like, you know, barely getting by? It's like, all right, you know, we've had a big month this month, guys. You know, next month we've got to cut back some. Right? No more travel. Right? Quit going everywhere and helping everybody. Uh, stop doing stuff. Uh, amen? I told you we had a guy, uh, uh, he doesn't come to church here anymore, but he came to church. And one of the first things he told me uh, when he started coming to church, he said, you all don't need to do any mission work. Isn't that odd to tell a church not to do any mission work? Don't go into all the world and preach the gospel, which is literally the thing Jesus told us to do. Right? Uh, and, I, and so I thought, I said, so why? why? Why can't I do mission work? He said, it's too expensive. Oh, okay, well, you know, uh, uh, I, guess, I guess, God, we can't do what you told me to do because I don't have enough faith to believe you for the resources to do what you've asked me to do. 
Uh, and so people are just really weird. They come up with weird doctrines, amen? I want everything. Uh, and, and, and look, if that's the example, that when faith speaks, God stops. I didn't write that. Did, did you write that? That's a story, right? And so faith spoke and God stopped, amen? When your faith speaks, God will stop and listen, amen? amen? And he will respond with compassion uh, of whatever your request is, amen? And so praise God. Well, let's pray and thank the Lord uh, for the word today. So Father, we do thank you for the word. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the compassion of the Lord. Whatever it is we desire, Father, uh, you desire for us to speak by faith. And Lord, we will not be deterred. We will not, we will not change course. We will not change direction. We will, we will abide by our faith because you are good and a kind and a loving God. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And just real quick, just in, in, in studying these, I just sense in my heart, we need to pray for the sick. If, if, there's, if you're dealing with any kind of sickness or disease right now, you know the compassion of the Lord is here to heal. Amen? It's always here to heal. In fact, he said uh, in Luke chapter 5 that, that the power of God was present to heal. When children are gathered together, the children of God are gathered together, the power of God is present to heal. And so praise God. If you need any healing in your body, if you'd like us to pray for you, uh, amen, we'll lay hands on you, and we will allow the compassion of the Lord to heal your body because he desires to, to, to us, for us to live free from sickness and disease. Thank you, Father. So if you'd like prayer, if you come up, we'll pray for you. Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you, Father, for your desire, the compassion of the Lord to heal, Father, to cause us to be free from pains and illnesses, sicknesses and diseases, Father, all the days of our life. Father, it's your, it's your compassion, it's your desire, Father, that we live this way. We thank you, Father, that we have the right and the privileges of your children to live this way. Thank you, Father. And Father, it's the compassion of the Lord in us as we lay hands on folks, Father, that will, that will leave our bodies, Father, and cause a healing to occur in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. You love us. You desire us to be well. So, Father, we command this body to be healed in Jesus' name, to be well in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your compassion. In the name of Jesus, healed, Father, 100%. All the days of your life, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for complete and total healing, Father, in this body. In the name of Jesus, Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for healing to occur in this body. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the great compassion of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Your compassion, Father, drives out sickness and disease, Father. Replaces it with strong and healthy tissue, Father. Strong and healthy body, Lord. To accomplish your will and plan in the earth. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Your compassion is sufficient, Father. Your love and kindness, Father, is more than sufficient to affect a healing, Father, in this body. And, Father, more than one, more than one area, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you your compassion is sufficient to heal every system in this body, every muscle in this body, Father, every organ in this body. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, I thank you for the great compassion of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. You love your very children, Father. Father, you move with compassion. And they express faith. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for full recovery, Father. Full restoration, Father. Yes, Father. And immunity, Father. Yes, Father. Immunity from future, from future ailments, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. The healing power of God residing in this body. Driving on all sickness and all disease, Father. All maladies, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness and kindness, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for strength, Father. Yes, Father. And full recovery in the name of Jesus, Father. Strong and healthy, Father. Every breath, Father. Every heartbeat, Father. Strong, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for these things, Father. We praise you for them, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, I thank you that we as your people carry the same compassion in us that you had. 
And Father, we commit ourselves to yield and to listen to that compassion. That that compassion, Father, moves us to act. Father, we will move to act according to the direction of your Spirit. And Father, if your compassion does not move us to act, then just with as much faith, Father, we will continue on our path. Father, we will, we will not be motivated and put under pressure to operate in a religious manner, Father. You know the end from the beginning. We trust in you. We trust in your compassion. And Father, we thank you for that. And Lord, we give you all praise and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. We're thankful for the Lord, and, and um, let's see, well, uh, we've got time to receive communion before we, before we head out. Um, if that's all right, we'll go ahead and do that. Um, I want to read uh, a couple of, uh, just one, one uh, verse here in first, first Corinthians chapter 10. I'll just read it here, and then, then we'll, um, we'll receive communion. It says uh, in verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, the cup of the blessing which we bless is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So he calls the, the you know, we have juice and we have bread. He says the juice is the communion of, of the blood of Christ. Uh, and so uh, we know that this blood of Christ, uh, it's not actually the blood of Christ, it's just grape juice that we bought at the local store, right? So it's not anything special. Uh, supernatural, uh, but it does represent the blood of Jesus. Amen. Uh, and the bread uh, also, it's not special bread. It's just bread that we buy. It is unleavened bread, uh, but uh, it, it re- represents the body of the Lord Jesus. And he said uh, earlier on, he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. So when he went to the cross and he took all, all of the, the beatings uh, of that occurred between uh, when they first arrested him in the Garden of Gethsemane till he actually went to the cross, he said, all of that was done for you. So it wasn't just the blood that he shed that was for you, it was the pain and the agony that he took upon his own body for you. And he said, I want you to remember this when, when you receive communion. Remember that this piece of bread represents not just uh, uh, the blood, which is the juice, right? But also the, this bread represents what I did for you. And he said uh, later on, he, he prophesied it in Isaiah uh, he mentions it in, in Matthew chapter 8, but he, he solidifies it in 1 Peter 2.24. It says, by his stripes, you were healed. Uh, and so that bread represents uh, the healing of your bodies. The juice represents the cleansing of your, of your sin, but the, the bread represents the healing for your bodies. And he said, do this as often as you do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I've done for you. Uh, and, and so that's one reason why I like receiving communion, because how big of a problem is sickness and disease in the church? I mean, it's, it's a big deal, right? And, and so how many things did Jesus take care of in, in the full, complete act of redemption? A lot of things, right? Not just sin, but he caused you to be born again, to receive the Spirit of God. He did a lot of things in, in the whole plan of redemption, but he specifically focused on two areas in communion, the healing of your body and the cleansing you from sin. Uh, he could have done... Everything, he could have given you a whole smorgasbord of things to eat, right? 
Remember, in the Passover, you had to eat bitter herbs and other things, and so you know, Passover had more things to consider, but this replaces the Passover in our lives because he was the Passover lamb. So he boiled it down to two things that are important that he wants you to remember on a regular basis. One, your bodies are healed all the time. You can live in divine health. And two, that your sins have been washed away. Uh, and, and so who, who left this for us to do on a regular basis? The Lord did. These are his instructions. Amen. Uh, and so we, we yield to what the master has, has told us to do. And so uh, uh, as we get ready to receive this morning's communion, let's pray and thank the Lord for these two elements. So, Father, we do thank you for your juice, which represents the blood of the Lord Jesus. And, Father, you said that we are washed clean by your blood. We're not, we're not clean, Father, because we have stopped committing sin, because we're perfect and, and people without failure. Father, we're clean because you washed us clean. So we thank you for that, Father. And we thank you for this bread, Father, which represents uh, your body. Uh, and Lord, according to your word, we have a right to live in divine health all the days of our life. And so by faith, Father, we receive this bread and thank you for it in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for this juice as well in the name of Jesus. Well, praise God. Well, is the Lord good? If you happen to get those out of order and, and take your juice first and bread We'll give you some water after the end of the service, right? <laughs> Praise God. We're thankful that the Lord is good. Amen? Amen. And uh, communion is, is a good way to remind yourself about the healing power of God. Amen? Remind yourself of what the Lord has done for you and uh, how good he has been to you and, and what a great price he paid for us on the cross. Amen? A lot of times people uh, will teach the cross as just this one tiny little thing of sin only, uh, but it wasn't just sin. He, he did so many things for us uh, to complete redemption. He spent thousands of years planning it, right? Strategizing it. Uh, uh, keeping humanity alive long enough to execute it. Amen? Uh, and so we're thankful for that. All right, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Uh, has the Lord blessed us? Has he been good to us? Amen? So we're thankful that we have the opportunity to give. Uh, and uh, uh, what should we give? We should give according to the Lord's instructions. Amen? Uh, what the Lord has placed in your heart. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give today. So Father, we do thank you. That is a blessing to give. We thank you, Father, that you've done so much for us, been so good to us, Father, to give us good jobs, Father, and good ability to earn an income. And so, Father, we thank you that uh, as part of that, that you don't ask for all of it, uh, but, but Father, we do thank you that we have the ability to give back to you that which you've already given to us. We thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I come, Adam, to do it, receive the offering. So, uh, my note from Chris this morning. So, don't forget, um, we got a busy weekend two weeks from now. Uh, and so, um, uh, if you can help out uh, on that Saturday there, but Friday night is the Ladies' Fellowship at 6 o'clock. Uh, at 5.30, we'll open up the door next door for the uh, free yard sales. So if there's things that you can take advantage of, uh, you know, please do that. You know, uh, sometimes people are like, well, you know, I don't want to take anything. You know, it's like, that's not what faith would say. Faith would say, yep, I need that. I'm taking it right now. That's what faith would do, right? So don't feel bad about faith. Amen. Uh, and so I, don't, I just don't, you know, people think you're full of pride, but, you know, I'd be, rather be accused of uh, being prideful and seeing than, than uh, yielding to somebody else's complaints and going around blind the rest of my life, amen? 
Now, that's just me, but, uh, and so that's Friday night, and then Saturday at 8 o'clock or 8.30 in the morning, we'll, we'll open up the doors for the community to go by next door, and then as soon as that's done, we're going to decorate the church, and we'll start doing that, you know, as things slow down, uh, and that won't take but an hour, hour and a half tops to do all that, uh, and so if you can help out, especially carrying all the stuff up there, and we've got to get all the stuff put up next door for the nativity scene, That'd be great. And then Sunday, that uh, same weekend, we'll have our church meal. And there's a sign-up sheet in the back. So <clears throat> we've got a busy weekend that weekend, but we can do it, right? Small things. Amen. All right. Be blessed. Uh, and have a wonderful week. And you're dismissed.